Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. Mikey is on the ones and twos. Uh, Blue Wire Hustle proudly presents our show tonight. We are thrilled uh, to be back again. I hope you enjoyed the show last night uh, with Mike Giannetti from uh, Spot Track as we are doing our salary cap free agency week. We're hitting it from all angles, and tonight we have another very special guest on. Let's go ahead and get to him. His name, is, his name pardon me, is Greg Thompson, podcast host and capologist over at CoverOne.net. He's a busy man this time of year. Uh, how are we doing tonight, Greg? Doing well, Brad. Excited to be on. It's uh, it's fun that I had all the years of playing Madden franchise mode are finally paying off to be able to to have this uh, idea. It's it's fun being able to build teams. And now as a as a Bills fan and someone who lives in Cleveland, um, it's fun that the offseason finally isn't the best part of being a Browns and a Bills fan. It's kind of fun that our teams are actually good now. It's changed quite a bit, has it not? Uh, the uh, pendulum has finally swung in the other direction, and uh, it's not all about uh, figuring out who the quarterback is this offseason for the Browns. So that's refreshing, quite refreshing, I must say. So uh, we are in the middle of, uh, you know, free agency primer, kind of getting ready for everything. I've been trying to knock out players uh, one at a time. The Browns have 17 free agents uh, this offseason. Um, not all of them deserve attention, but, you know, we're getting to it. Uh, you know, I've been through the safety room, uh, Higgins, uh, you know, a couple other guys as well. Um, but tonight we're going to kind of do Browns free agency agenda with you. Uh, you put some work in here for us. I know you were normally working on the bills, and and I know, I know you got some buddies that some we have some fellow acquaintances, and they were f- fired up to get you on the some Browns, uh, some Browns topics. That's good stuff. Yeah, man, it's kind of fun. So I, I grew up in Buffalo, but then I went to college at Baldwin Wallace. So a lot there of my know. adult friends and people that I've known since then are from here. I met my wife here in Cleveland. Uh, we then got married here and moved all around the country. And then recently, just last year, moved back here. So I'm uh, living down in Olmstead Falls, right in the right in the area here. And you know, I, I will say, although. The Brown, the Bills are by far my number one passion of anything. I, I love the Bills more than anything I'm not related to. The Browns really are my second favorite team. It might be a distant second, but they really are my second favorite team. My having watching games with my father-in-law and my wife is still a huge Browns fan. My kids have Bills and Browns gear, uh, so it's definitely a house divided. That's awesome. Well, that's okay. That's that's too. I mean, you can't be so. You know, we're kind of the same way. We're kindred spirits as fans, right? Very you much know. So. Uh, you know the bills are uh, are not uh, are, are doing okay, and and they're not playing the Browns. Then I'm all for it. You know what I mean? And it's uh, I'm all about the Bills Mafia too. So very much kindred spirits as fans. All right, so we've got a lot going on in the NFL here, Greg. Let's get into some of this. JJ Watt Browns were in the uh, Watt sweepstakes. He ends up going to the Cardinals, $31 million over two years, 23 guaranteed. What are your initial thoughts of his move here? Um, I was shocked at the amount of money. So, you know, I I think it's reasonable that a lot of fans were frustrated. You know, in the comments that you say your number one criteria is 
to go to a Super Bowl contender, um, and then you sign with a team that didn't, didn't even make the playoffs. I have a feeling it was genuine. I have a feeling the comments that came out that he wanted to go to a Cleveland or a Green Bay or a Buffalo, I think that was real. I think those were the teams that were there. I think those teams were all offering 10 $12 million, and then all of a sudden the Cardinals came in and said, boom, $15.5 million, $23 million guaranteed. And all of a sudden he said, oh, you know, and then you add in that he can make a phone call to DeAndre Hopkins and kind of get some confirmation from it, talk himself into maybe this is an up-and-coming team and I can be the piece that puts him over the edge. You know, I don't think he was outright lying. I think that they just blew him away with a number nobody else could compete with. Yeah, I think a lot of the numbers that are getting thrown about right now uh, may be a little bit false. I know, you know, a lot of the numbers reported that, Oh, the Browns offered more and somebody else offered more. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. That that may be like, uh, because nobody's going to come out and dispute that. So that may be something from his camp where it makes it look like he's not all about the money, right? Or he doesn't want to look like that. So maybe And the same thing from the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals yes. want, it re- want it leaked that they weren't the high bidder and that he picked them even though there was yes. more money. His team and camp, and obviously you think about it, J.J. Watt's the kind of guy that he cares very much about his public perception and the way yes. that he's going about that. He wants it known that, oh, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't just follow the money. I, I took the lesser offer because I thought it was the right spot and whatever. I, I don't blame him for that. I don't think it's the end of the world. Um, I believe reporters like Chris Mortensen and Ed Werder and Charles Robinson, who have all said that's not the case, not a random Arizona beat writer who said that there were higher offers. So I'm going to believe Charles Robinson that that's not the case. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. All right. Uh, so uh, we spent some time last night, a lot of time, talking with Mike Gennetti. You've been on his, You just said you did a show with him the other night. Guy is great. Oh, he's fantastic. Uh, fantastic, right? He knows everything, salary cap, and as I'm sure you do as well. You're uh, salary cap uh, capologist into this stuff here. Uh, you know he's got 185 million over at Spot Track as the cap number right now. Uh, he talked a lot about it. it was interesting. You know the uh, TV deals and threw around names like Paramount uh, getting in on the action and uh, obviously streaming uh getting in on the action uh on some of the bidding so and they're thinking almost maybe double the tv money coming in in 2022 uh the kind of question is will they be able to apply any of that money to this year's cap is it too late for that it almost feels too late for that at this point doesn't it so i will say None of that money is going to apply to this year. Um, it, they're pretty direct revenue equations. It's the amount of money you just made. The way that it does apply is they've are, when they say they're talking about setting a floor, and at first they talked about 175, and now it's at 180, and now everybody's kind of guessing maybe 182, 183. Mike has it as high as 185. I've heard people talk about 188. It's in that ballpark. If yeah. you go through the standard revenue equations of, hey, 48% of the cap and the money goes to the NFLPA and X, Y, and Z, it's way lower than 175. They didn't make that much money. So the right. reason, the way we're already seeing that is they have confidence more money is coming because they know they're going to get double the revenues from most of the groups. And I think they got about 60% more from the ABC Disney group. And you're having other people bid like 
you know Jeff Bezos and, and all the money from Amazon, yes. or you saw all those Paramount Plus commercials on the Super Bowl. Yes, it, that confidence is what drove the money up, even if it wasn't the direct equation of it, and it'll help offset that in the future uh, for future years when it's coming, where they know, hey, maybe next year it was going to jump to two hundred and twenty million, and we'll borrow five million of that, and you know make up for this year and make it two fifteen, and they know it's getting back up into those bigger numbers going forward. Yeah, so it kind of borrowing against themselves, right, to uh, try to manage this. And you almost wish they would do it more because uh, it, it is dangerous, right? Because if a team manages this, manages this properly um, and really plays, you know, this free agency period the right way, there could be some crazy deals and a lot of cap room available for some teams at the right time if it jumps all the way up to that 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 220 figure, right? If it goes to 185 and then goes back up to 220, it's going to be wild. It's going to be the Wild West next year, right? Well, you guys remember that year in the NBA where they That's let it go it, down and then it yes. came shooting back. And, hey, yes. how do you think Kevin Durant ended up ended on the, up Warriors? With the Warriors? How exactly. do you think... Tyler Johnson and Alan Crabb and people like that got enormous contracts they didn't deserve and Joachim Noah and all those different people who got insanely overpaid it's because they let it blow up so I would hope the NFL will learn from that they're pretty greedy so I don't know how much yeah. they're going to learn yeah. from it but exactly. um, I think we're already seeing a little bit of that the, the smoothing that you saw people asking the NBA to do back then they've already done that the the, the revenue floor of 175-180 is the smoothing that they wanted there and I would. I think it would actually be smarter if they kept it static at 198 again, um, because yeah. I think they have so much money coming in in the future that they can afford to borrow from that. But even now, even if it ends up at 182 or 185, it's still better than if they just did the math. I think the cap might be like 150, and you would have franchises. You know, the Saints would literally go under and wouldn't be able to for you know fuel the team. So yeah. I, I think this is better. Even if I'd prefer they bumped it up another 15 million. So. What's the direct effect in your in your opinion? So we saw like uh, Chase Edmonds uh, put out a tweet like, "Oh, you know, I'm," and it's kind of ironic that it comes from the same team that JJ Watt goes to eventually. But you know, putting out the tweet like, "Oh, one year deals is going to be the way it goes." You know, super teams or teams are really going to go for it. Do you think that's really how this is going to play out this year? I mean, I can understand certainly. And I'm sure a lot of people can. Why guys would not want to negotiate a long-term deal this year, right? Yeah, so I, I think you're going to see. I don't know where the cap is, the cap, the cutoff is. Your top 20, 25 guys are still going to get paid. Allen right. Robinson is still getting twenty million dollars. Shaq Bear is still getting twenty million dollars. Taylor Moten, Brandon Scherf, all your studs and high end guys, they're going to get the money. The difference is where it would have dropped off before, and now all of a sudden this guy would get eight million, and that guy would get six million. I don't know if that market exists this year. And I right. think that's where he's talking about. I think super team's a bit much because super team would mean that you got Shaq Barrett for $2 million. Not that, oh, you know, you got, I'm trying to find a good example. You know, Everson Griffin would have been able to get $6 million and now he signs for the veteran minimum. Like that's a yeah. nice bonus, but that's not tilting a super team. I think that is what you're going to see though, is guys who normally would have gotten the, 
you know, three-year, $15 million deal. All right, listen, I'm going to take a one-year, $2 million deal, but I'm going to try to find it in the right situation that's going to set me up perfectly to look good so next year when the cap comes back up, I can cash in then. So, you know, super team's a bit much for me, but you're, you know, you're probably kidding yourself if some of the higher-end teams aren't going to benefit from it, then if you have a high-powered offense, you're probably going to get some guys who want to catch balls in that offense. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Greg, does it uh, does this season lend itself to teams tanking more than usual? So the NFL is always the toughest one because mm-hmm. of just the physical nature of the game. You know, Correct. in the in the NBA, a guy dialing it back, you're not risking injury or getting hurt. Um, in baseball, you can have a twenty million dollar payroll against a two hundred million dollar payroll. In the NFL, with the salary floor, the salary cap, all the film that's out there of earning your next contract, it's tough. This does open it up as much as any team would, any scenario would, that if you're going to go through there... You know, picking this year to eat a whole bunch of dead cap, and then all of a sudden be like, "Oh man, the cap's really low. We couldn't sign anybody. Sorry, guys," and crying poor to the fans. There's as much ammo for a ownership group to do that as any other time, and I'm sure you know. I I don't have the Trevor Lawrence of next year. I'm sure there is some guy who's the hot commodity quarterback for next year. Somebody who have an eye on that guy and and be ready to pack it in ahead of time. Interesting. Um, the Chiefs, uh, and I talked about this last night too, are an interesting subject point at this because they have like the most guys guaranteed money, and but they but they constructed everything with these roster bonuses, right? So and it, it leaves themselves some flexibility, and I don't think a lot of people understand it, and they're kind of like, what? Like, sorry, I got I just put my. Uh, podcast arm in today and i'm not used to it yet here so (laughs) mine's hidden right mine's hidden right here it's just yeah below the screen (laughs) getting my bearings straight here with this thing uh but yeah so uh the uh um chiefs have these roster bonuses that they can convert to signing bonuses which then get spread out over the lifetime of the deal and a lot of people are don't get that they're like how are they coming up with this money but the crazy thing is say they do that and they're like i think they're like 17 and a half below or in the negative as of right now and if they were to do mahomes roster bonus they would be square right well they got chris jones has a 20 million dollar roster bonus travis kelsey has seven and a half million dollar roster bonus they if they want to they can create all kinds of cap room and then go for it again even with the guys that they already have on the roster when does it come back to bite them like when does it when does it get them Greg? so the way i describe it people throw out there all the time that the salary cap is a myth and that's not the right way to describe it the salary cap is like that friend in college who always had a cool car and a nice apartment and picked up the tab when you went out to the bar, it's because he was using a credit card. Um, And those (laughs) bills come due eventually. And you can also get a good job to pay off that debt, or you can roll it over into a low interest loan, or you can spread it out over into another credit card. But eventually you have to pay it. And I think some people want there to be repercussions in the sense of, oh, well, if I don't see that guy 
living on the street selling his body for crack, then there were not repercussions. Like it doesn't mean the franchise has to fold. It just means you couldn't extend your rookie that you that you drafted. Now you had to let him walk, or you weren't able to keep you know the the you know edge rusher that you wanted. And you had to let him walk and, and to go uh, into free agency. So it's just that you can kick the can down the road for a while. And then a lot of teams are going to learn the hard way. The Saints this year, the the yes. Steelers this year, some of those different pieces. It's that they didn't plan on this being $35 million lower than what it Correct. was. So now all of a sudden, it's not that they're going to fold as a franchise, but they're going to lose an awful lot of talent and they're going to eat up anything they have in the future. So some of those things, roster bonuses, option bonuses, signing bonuses, a roster bonus is set to be paid all within the one year's salary cap. You can convert a roster bonus into an option bonus or a signing bonus, which prorates it over the remaining years of your contract. So what teams like the Chiefs do, and the Rams do it with their inflated uh, salary numbers. So they put everything into the base salary because if you need it, you can go to that and convert it into a bonus, pay them out the money right then, spread it out. But if you can afford to eat it, you eat all of it that you can and then move on to the next year. So they set themselves up to give options, and smart teams do that. And finally, the Bills and the Browns have enough good players that we want to pay and extend and actually sign beyond their rookie contracts. And now we're going to yes. learn that part of the the uh, financial flexibility when we'd always get frustrated. Like, come on, man! How do they? How can they extend yeah, that guy and sign that guy? That? I thought they didn't have any money left. We're now going to be the teams that are finally doing that, and other people can get mad at me. Like, well, well that doesn't make any sense. How did they keep OBJ and they didn't cut Richardson and they didn't cut Njoku and they signed JJ Watt? How, how the heck did that happen? Um, now we get to have fans be mad at us. It's going to be great. Yeah. Oh, that, I would love that problem. Let's let's uh, bring that problem on. All right, you're listening to All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. Uh, my name is Brad Ward. Special guest Greg Thompson, and he is uh, over at Cover One. Uh, he is a uh, capologist, and is the name of the podcast just Cover One as well, Greg? Yeah, we have a whole one uh, podcast. Yeah, network. I, I do the Bills-centric ones, so Cover One Buffalo. We have a Cover One Draft podcast. We have a couple other ones with Film Breakdown. Um, so there are some things from Cover One Draft you guys would enjoy that's not Bills-focused and, and focused on uh, just overall prospects coming out here, but a whole umbrella of guys that we have with different shows, and I lead the Cover One Buffalo podcast. Yeah, you're a popular guy. I typed you into uh, YouTube and like to find my video, like to kind of – you know, edit or whatever, and there's all kinds of you everywhere. Look, all kinds of Bill's videos. I had to scroll down like three pages. So no, we have popu- a lot of fun. We have a lot of fun. popular guy. Yeah, so that's good stuff and uh, good content as well. Uh, so let's get to the Browns a little bit here and look at what they want to do. So for me, and, and I know you did some work on the Browns, obviously, knowing you're coming on the show as your uh, be a little peer pressure from your friends, I'm sure, uh, but. For me, job one, Greg, is edge, right? And it's, you know, if the Super Bowl taught us anything, it's that if you're going to compete with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson in in the AFC, right, you're going to have to get home with four guys. And uh, that's just what I came away feeling, and I'm I'm sure a lot of people came away feeling the same way. Uh, Miles Garrett is a great piece. Uh, Sheldon Richardson will be there, I think. I, I don't know. I, people keep talking about restructure. I don't really see it. I don't think they'll do it. Uh, I don't think he'll be open to doing it. I, 
particularly. Um, but we'll see. You know, maybe maybe I'm wrong on that. But I feel like they have to find the long-term solution opposite Miles Garrett, and they need to supplement that. What are your thoughts on options on how to do that, the best way the Browns can do that this offseason? So it's going to be interesting because the Browns have one of the best sales pitches you can give any pass rusher, which is, hey, do you want to be opposite Miles Garrett? Um, There's just not that many options where you have that and and i think honestly that's why a guy like jj watt was interested so i think you can look into that as two different paths i think one is okay if it wasn't jj watt is it going to be another veteran guy maybe on his level like a von miller if, if his option isn't picked up in denver maybe at a slightly lower level at a justin houston or a ryan kerrigan but that is a rotational guy that maybe you draft a guy and put them together Another option where the Browns are in a position, and obviously, you know, we might get into it later with some of the upcoming contracts for Denzel Ward. Miles Garrett's money hasn't kicked in yet. Baker Mayfield's money. They have to be conscious of those things. But the yes. Browns are in a position that if they want to jump into the end of the pool with Melvin Ingram, Shaq Barrett, Yannick Ngakwe, Matt Judon, Leonard Floyd, I think they could play in that end of it. My guess is that they're going to kind of find a middle ground. I think that there's a couple really intriguing names. Uh, Carl Lawson, obviously you guys are familiar with him from the Bengals. Trey Hendrickson, Romeo Aquara. I think those guys are going to be in like the $10 million range. They're not going to completely break the bank. And require, you know, I think Shaq Barrett's going to get $20 million. I think that yes. somebody will overpay Jadavian Clowney. Um, you know, so I think that you'll have those guys. If you can get a Trey Hendrickson, a Carl Lawson, a Romeo Aquara, one of those kind of guys around $10 million, I think they would flourish opposite Miles Garrett. And they're young enough where you could bring them aboard and get three to four years of their contract. Those guys are 25, 26, and 24, the three that I referenced. Um, I think that that's a chance to really be able to build something up and come along with, you know, obviously I think Miles Garrett's the most talented pass rusher in the NFL. I, I'm a huge uh, Bruce Smith fan and he's a mentor of his. Yes. And I think that, you know, he is just a once in a generation athlete. And if you can put somebody opposite him who can take advantage of any of that, you saw the year Olivier Vernon had. Um, and unfortunately for his injury, otherwise I think he might be somebody in play to be able to come back. My guess is you guys go into that middle ground where you're not breaking the bank, but somebody may be better than Justin Houston or Ryan Kerrigan, who would be purely a 40% snap rotational guy. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that's perfect spot for them. But I also, and I'm going to throw this on on top of you, I think that's right that range. I think that um, uh, Hendrickson is, is a very good candidate. And I think that, uh, I, I don't know, I think Carl Lawson might get franchise tagged. Uh, I have a guy that I know that works on the Bengals, uh, James Rapine, and, and he mentioned that to me that he thought he might get tagged. That'd be unfortunate because I like him a ton. Yeah, one, like one valuable ton. guy off the market, it would be Yes, a yeah. So, uh, But the one thing about free agency this year is it's super deep in almost every position. So, And that's going to affect the, the, the market as well. So you have this lower cap and you have really deep positions with good players. Um, and I, I think that'll bring down prices as well. But yeah, eight to ten million dollars, a good type of guy I think would be ideal for the Browns um, that can come in and do the job. But I also would like to see them take pick twenty six 
and get their guy they like best there at, at end. I want to do both. So I want the long-term solution and a rotational piece or a guy that you can put on inside of and you can kind of switch it up up there. Uh, you know, they're getting Andrew Billings back off of an opt-out. Yeah, on a, on a short deal. He totally fits that front better than Ogunjobi does, who I think they're going to just let walk, okay? Um, it seems like. And, and then, you know, they, they have him coming in, and they have some depth with uh, Elliot from last year. Um, and uh, other than that, they might need to add a little bit of depth but in the middle. But on the edge, I think that if you address it with two pieces draft, and I'm really high on two guys, uh, Ojolari from Georgia and Osai from Texas. I like them both a ton. If either one of those guys were there at 26, I would want them. What do you think well, about that? And I think it, it – you can do some interesting combinations. Uh, I'll use Trey Hendrickson as an example. I think he yes. has maybe a little bit of J.J. Watt to him where, say you did draft one of those two guys, they're probably not ready to come in and play 60 70% of snaps right off. So get exactly. a guy who can be that power and play strong side defensive end on rundowns, but then can kick in to a three-tech and a penetration style inside on passing downs. You bring the rookie in, and then all of a sudden you're talking about having Having a line across the front where you know good luck blocking Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, Trey Hendrickson, and you know whatever rookie you draft at twenty six, you know yes. that's something really terrifying. And I think a lot of people have brought it up. I looked at it. The contract for Sheldon Richardson isn't ideal thirteen million at thirty one no. years old, but I actually think there's a pretty good opportunity instead of cutting him, which cutting him would create $12 million in cap space. I think if you guys were tighter up against it, you might do that. But with $25 million in cap space, it's not pressing to do that. I actually would love to see him just give him an extra year, but give him an extra year at a more palatable number to say, hey, you know, Sheldon, if we cut you right now, you're not getting $13 million on the open market. But how about we give you two years at $18 million? You know, we'll go down to $9 million a year. You give us back four, five, six million of that this year. Give us a little bit of space. You get an extra year. We think two years, 18 million is about as good as you would do on the market anyways. It's a win-win. You stay with this team. I think you guys are in a position now where before maybe you had to overpay a little bit to get a guy to stay. I think now with the culture that's being built, you know, Barry and Stefanski building that kind of environment where players want to come play and that you see top end guys like JJ Watt considering Cleveland. I think a guy like Richardson will be more open to that than maybe five years ago. Uh, maybe he would have said, eh, just cut me. I'll go sign somewhere else. Um, I think guys are going to want to stay now and might be willing to do a more team-friendly structure. That's a, that's, that's a really impressive take on that and a really good idea, I think, Greg. I, I mean, I hadn't looked at it that way. I was kind of thinking of a more traditional restructure. But, yeah, adding the extra year and appealing to you know what he would make on the open market. It, once again, the only wrench in that is, hey, you know, what if the cap shoots up to, to you know, $30 million? Is that going to be enough, right, uh, to, to make him stay home? But I, I totally agree that he's a big part of the culture. Sheldon Richardson is a big part of what they've done and a big part of the culture. And losing Ogunjobi will hurt that some. He's just not good enough to keep around. And I think somebody's going to overpay him, in my opinion, uh, on the open market. And, and, and it, it just doesn't make sense for – 
for, I don't think, the Browns to hang on to him. But it certainly does, I think, make sense to figure something out uh, with Sheldon or else or else you're really starting from scratch up there. I mean, you'd be with Billings and, and, and not much else there uh, to work with. But I think that's a great idea and something that we hadn't uh, talked about yet. So good stuff there, Greg. Um, if we move on from edge, right, and, and kind of the whole defensive line we covered there, um, let's take a look at the secondary. And I've done a couple pieces on, on the secondary and, the Browns secondary is, has some question marks. There's certainly some talent there. You have Denzel Ward. You've got Greedy Williams, who did not play a down last year, but a very talented kid you took in the second round. Um, we'll talk a little bit about him. Uh, I I think that uh, Kevin Johnson, who was your, your next guy, your nickel guy, or slot corner, uh, he will be a free agent. I think they let him walk. Um, for sure. And then in, then you've got a guy like Terrence uh, Money Mitchell, and uh, he has been great for the Browns because he's been available. You know, Greedy's been hurt. Wendell's, Denzel's been hurt. He's played at a good enough level to be out there and, and hang with guys and do his job on a weekly basis. I mean, he's always available and he's always game. Um He's going to be a free agent. I would like to see them hang on to him if they possibly could somehow come to a team-friendly deal with him. Uh, But really, other than that, you can't bank on – so let's talk about just corners for now. You can't bank on Greedy Williams because you don't know. You just don't know. So, like, crazy – you know, you get these crazy, like, out-there stories, right? Okay, Greg? So, supposedly – Somebody was, uh, Dedrick Wills was playing video games with some, you know, on Twitch or something with a bunch of people and made the comment in the room while he was live streaming that Greedy can't feel his left arm or whatever at all, like has no feeling in it. Take it for what it's worth. A bunch of people have repeated that rumor since then. So I don't know. He was claiming at the end of the season that he was ready to play. Obviously, they weren't going to bring him back at that point. But so who knows? I don't know what to believe. I don't know if he's going to be ready uh, and how much this sets him back at the same time. Uh, thoughts on the corner room and what can the Browns do there? So, you know, obviously in today's NFL, coverage is critical. Teams are passing more than ever. Um, the Browns are in a great situation with a game-changing pass rusher. Obviously, looking to add to that will will make it easier for the coverage in the back end. But you still need more than just Denzel Ward. I'm a big fan of Ward. I think he's a really strong corner. Obviously, would love to see him play 16 games. Uh, but you know, he's he's obviously a talent. You know, I, I know I've seen the rumor floated out there. You have you know Glenville grad Marshawn Lattimore, Ohio, you know Buckeye, Ohio State grad, you know. I love the story of bringing him back, but you know, one, the Saints are going to want a premium draft pick to be able to trade away a guy still on his rookie contract. Um, I do think someone would offer them a first round pick. You know, cornerbacks are, are valued that much. Uh, so whether it's this year, next year, whether it's a second plus some, um, let's say they did that. He's also going to want the same huge deal that Denzel Ward's going to want. Yes. So whether that's yeah. you know Trey White at seventeen million or Jalen Ramsey at twenty one million, it's in that ballpark. 
paying two guys $18 million a year at cornerback is really tough to be sustainable in today's NFL. So my guess is, you know, that also probably eliminates a couple of the really high end uh, free agents as well. But there's actually a pretty nice road in between there. So uh, a good middle ground would be, hey, we'd like to bring Terrence Mitchell back on a reasonable deal. We have some hope for Greedy Williams, but we'd love to bring in Xavier Rhodes for $7 million. We'd love to bring Mm -hmm. in AJ Boye for five or six million dollars um at worst you have good depth in the secondary which is never a bad thing and if you know god forbid something is wrong long term with greedy williams you have a veteran in the room who's ready to contribute and i will say if there's anything that i think the browns could lean into a little bit more you want to be careful not to go so far on the youth end of the spectrum that you don't have some of those warriors in there who have been in the trenches before and been in the battles can help when the you know after a, a tough loss that they weren't expecting can help kind of talk to the guys and bring them back. I think having a veteran in each room that can help guide some of those guys is maybe a next step for the franchise, yeah. and I, I think that would make sense. AJ Boy is the kind of guy there. You know, maybe Patrick Peterson doesn't get the market that he's looking for out there. I don't think he's ready to be an isolated island guy anymore, but if you're talking about opposite Denzel Ward, you know, paired up in a platoon with a young guy like Greedy Williams, I think he still has something to offer there. Maybe one of those kind of guys would make sense here where you can do it on a value, but still have more depth of what you need. Um, there's a younger guy that I really like leaving San Francisco, Akella Witherspoon, guy that's mm-hmm. like 6'2", 6'3", ran a 4'4", and had a 40-inch mm-hmm. vertical. Um, I think he's a sneaky guy that somebody's going to get uh, and be a target to go after as well. So I think there's plenty of names out in the market, and I wouldn't be shocked you know, if Mitchell leaves, maybe the Browns could take a stab at two of them or a draft pick plus a guy coming in because I agree. I don't think you can put all your eggs in the basket of Greedy Williams. Yeah. So uh, my thought was, you know, um, one way that I and I did a video on this, Greg, and one way the Browns can immediately get better is with that slot corner position. So you paid three point five million dollars to uh, Kevin Johnson, former first round pick, just hasn't panned out. He wasn't very good this year. They were hoping to get the Buffalo addition uh, of of Kevin Johnson. He had a good year there, yeah, it was nice somewhat, <laughs> and and they didn't get that version of him, right? So he's going to walk. Now, you spent $3.5 million on him. Now, the top-end, high-end slot corner guys in the NFL are going to go for 6 or $7 million. So one way you can really get better, I think, and not spend a lot of money is go get a Mike Hilton or a Troy Hill or a Brian Poole at that slot corner and Big only fan spend of Brian yeah and only spend a couple more million dollars and now you've really improved that room a ton because you 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 I mean how important is that position in today's NFL it's huge right they're going to be on the field seventy percent of the time it's a starting uh, so, spot heck some teams are ninety yeah. percent of the time yes exactly and and so I just think that. To me, that's a no-brainer, and one place that you can go get a top-end guy, and it'll only cost you a couple million dollars, and you'll get a lot better than you were last year. Yeah, I think that's spot on, and I think that you obviously probably the next position we'll go to will benefit if you have guys who can be more of the quarterback back there coordinating that coverage and being able to add it up if you had another athlete there. So I think adding a guy, maybe even Desmond King, you saw him get traded. I think he's going to be available. He's an interesting name in the nickel as well. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, the only guy that I think would be a little more of a pricey out of that group is Troy Hill might be like $7 million, maybe push 8 because he can play outside too. Obviously, he did that before uh, Jalen uh, Ramsey showed up. So uh, let's um, look at the back end of the secondary, okay? Safety was pretty abysmal for the Browns this year. Uh, Delpit gets hurt in training camp. Um, for the record, I wanted to take, uh, uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., by the way, but, uh, they took Delpit and and still really high on Delpit, um, but, uh, torn Achilles out for the season in training camp. So now Andrew Sandejo, who was brought over to play backup, you know, behind him. Probably some special teams. Took uh, yeah, took nine hundred and ninety nine snaps at safety, which is ridiculous, right? And and then they traded a fifth round pick for Ronnie Harrison, who worked out. He's he looked terrific. Uh, finished the year like as like the ninth rated uh, safety over at PFF. So that was a great move by them mid season. But then they had Carl Joseph, another guy for another former first rounder, uh, coming off his rookie deal. Uh, Carl Joseph is a a lot of guys. People in Cleveland are getting on because I'm being Carl Joseph. But Carl Joseph made a lot of plays and can play the run really well, and he's a big hitter. So a lot of people like him, but he can't cover. And he can't cover, and he can't guard a door, and I just want to pound my hand on the table and say he cannot cover. I know he's a good tackler. I know he's aggressive. I know he's made some plays in that stretch run against Pittsburgh, the two wins in a row at the end of the season, and he had a big role there. But he can't cover, and you have to have safeties that can cover. Now, Joe Woods wants to to play with three safeties on the field a lot of the time so my opinion and i think that's the way a lot of the nfl is going to go uh you know I, I love your uh and your twitter uh thing big nickel enthusiast i, I love <laughs> it's, I love, it's the way of the nfl i, yeah, it's, I, it's I love it's that yeah, yeah i love that so that's fantastic by the way uh but yeah so i think a lot of people disagree with me. I think they should go after a high-end safety because I don't know that you can depend on Delpit and be if if he is healthy, you still need a third guy that's really good. And I don't think that third guy is on the roster. No, I think you're spot on. I think if you're going to splurge, um, it's also a reasonable area that splurging at safety is less expensive than splurging on the offensive line or at corner or at pass rusher. You can get a little bit better value. So I don't hate the idea of bringing back Carl Joseph. I don't think you can bring it back where Carl Joseph is your best safety. I think right. that he's fine playing off of another guy. If for some reason that the Broncos let Justin Simmons walk and they don't do a, a second franchise tag, and a second franchise tag is expensive. You're talking about 120% of what he got paid last year. Um, I'd throw all the money at Justin Simmons. I think you guys could pay him four years, $60 million, and have it be worth it. Um, Anthony Harris coming out of Minnesota. Obviously, the relationship with Stefanski. I don't think they're going to franchise tag him. I think he is going to be available. He's more of that really high-end center fielder that I think could play. And I, 
I think that Delpit is more of what you guys saw in Joseph. I don't think he's going to be out there. I think he's going to be coming up, coming forward, really dangerous, blitzing off the corner. Um, not Teron, Teron Matthew level, but more you can use him in the slot. He can make plays. He can blitz off the edge. I don't think you're putting him back there to play center field for the Bills. No. Mike, Micah Hyde. I don't think he's mm-hmm. that kind of guy. I think that you want to bring that kind of guy in. Um, John Johnson is an interesting guy coming Love out of LA. John Johnson, yeah. I think he's a guy that, you know, if you could get him for $8 million a year, I think that's a really interesting number. Um, and then two guys that I like, you know, you talk about wanting to play three safeties and where the big nickel comes in is that you want a guy that you don't really know, are you in base defense and that's a third linebacker or is that yeah. a third safety or can you cover? And two guys that I love in that realm are Keanu Neal coming out of Atlanta yeah. and Jaquiski Tart coming out oh. of San Francisco. Those two guys I think are the perfect hybrid players where you don't really know are they in base defense or are they dropping back in coverage is it nickel is it heck even dime if you sign a nickel cornerback but you have that guy out there okay is that nickel because they're another linebacker is it dime because it's the third safety and three corners that's that's what modern nfl coverage is going to be where all these crazy athletic tight ends going out there you want a guy that hey we're not sacrificing the run we got one a guy that can come up there but you know, there's no more Brandon Spikes out there. You're 270 right. pound run thumper linebackers. Those guys, those guys don't exist anymore. Heck, they're nose tackles now. That that's just not not what exists in today's NFL. So having a guy that that this that hybrid role, I actually don't think it's crazy to bring in two guys. I could see the Browns splurging. And say it's even John Johnson, he's young, he's athletic, he's going to get a longer-term deal, but not crazy. Say it's five years and $40 million at $8 million a year. I think Keanu Neal or Jaquiski Tart are going to be in a spot that they're going to try to set themselves up for next year. Maybe you bring one of them in on a one-year, $5 million, one-year, $6 million deal. All of a sudden, Delpit comes back. You're in a much better position. You have those options if you went in the draft for nickel or you weren't able to bring in a high-end linebacker or something like that, you have more options in the secondary. I think that I'd even consider bringing in two guys, or if it's a Harris or a Johnson, maybe you could bring back Carl Joseph, and then Joseph, Anthony Harris, and Delpit are your three safeties. Something along those lines. You don't want somebody like Sandejo playing a thousand snaps. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. Between so. I'm going to tell you this, two things here. It's really funny. But first of all, it's funny and sad at the same time. But uh, Joseph Sendejo and Sheldrick Redwine took 2,000 snaps at Sage. And between the three of them, none of them had a coverage grade at PFF over 49.1, which is really sad. And and so – uh, yeah, it's very rough. And then uh, in Sendejo, you know, it was just hard to it was hard to watch him play a thousand snaps. Uh, he's a out fine there. backup. He's a guy that yes. you want as your fourth safety playing special teams. And if a guy gets dinged up and you need him for a game, that's fine. He's not yeah. a guy you want depending on his playing the most snaps on your defense. No, and, and the Browns, you know, Joe Woods brings that Seattle cover three over, with, which they play a lot in. And a lot of that is that it's kind of, you know, football's version of a matchup man-to-man, right, kind of. Uh, and and he just is so reactionary and never anticipatory, and it's such a struggle to watch him sometimes. Just plays just develop right in front of him, and you're like, 
find some work, right? Like find, find some work, you know, all right. Uh, but I wrote an article on exactly the topic that you just said. And, you know, some people disagreed with me, but I literally said, I think they should sign two guys in free agency. And I listed four guys, two high guys and two value guys. And you're, I don't know if you, if you saw that or not, but the two guys I listed as the top guys were, uh, Marcus Williams and John Johnson, the third, uh, from the Rams. And then, uh, my two value guys were Keanu Neal and, uh, Jaquiski Tart. Uh, Tart might have the best name in football. We might, it's yes, fantastic. absolutely. Yeah, it's great. I love saying it, and it feels, yeah, it feels good to say. And and he now he played with Woods in San Francisco and already knows the scheme. Uh, and I'm a big fan of his game. I think he's terrific. So, uh, so that's interesting that you said those two guys because those are the same two guys I wrote up in my article. So I thought uh, you have excellent taste. Excellent. Yes, so do you, sir. Very, very well done. Uh, so uh, that's kind of uh, the look there at safety. I even went as far to say that they would even draft a guy in the later rounds as well. I said that Sheldrick Redwine, who I am not a fan of at all, should be your fifth, if not sixth, safety going into training camp. Um, he shouldn't be taking a ton of snaps this year so yeah the only guy that should be banked on is ronnie harrison you know he's a good player he's yes. somebody you're confident to have back there um i think if delbit's back healthy that's a bonus um but i think you got to be careful banking on anything like that and, and coming back you want to be able to have multiple options there and again with today's modern nfl um there's no downside of having secondary depth absolutely uh all right all eyes on cleveland Tonight, uh, we're doing the free agent agenda for the Cleveland Browns with a very special guest, Greg Tomset over at CoverOne.net. Check out his podcast work, uh, all of his work over there that he does for the Bills and the Bills Mafia tonight, uh, lending his knowledge to the Browns here on All Eyes on Cleveland, and we appreciate that greatly. Uh, is uh this has been terrific so far. All right, so let's move to a little bit uh, more of a Browns really want to handle this. So you know they have this analytics-driven, deep yep. Podesta front office, and the linebacker has gone the way of the running back on offense to a lot of guys that are numbers guys, right? Uh, so the Browns don't value the position, I don't think, very much at all at linebacker. They've drafted guys there that are young and can run, uh, but they haven't really invested much there. Uh, you know, they let uh, Joe Schobert walk, and it's hurt them. And it's hurt them. I mean, they, they're, they have guys that can play the run and they have guys that can sort of cover but they don't have anybody that can do both really you know what i mean and uh that's what they need especially if they're going to continue to run the amount of zone that they did last year so i you know today mary Kay cabot comes out with the report after watt signs and uh, are you do you know mary Kay cabot is okay mary Kay cabot says two that are linked to the Browns, she reports, Levante David and uh, Rashad Perriman. Well, we'll get to Perriman in a minute, but Levante David. And I kind of thought, 
I don't know if they would ever invest that much money in that position, uh, but I wouldn't be mad at it if they did. Thoughts on linebacker? It's, it's tough because I think Levante David's fantastic. I think he's going to get fifteen million dollars yes. a year. You know, yeah. I, I think that's tough. I I, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I've actually had plenty of Browns fans ask me about Matt Milano. Um, that if the Bills, you know, the Bills are in a rougher salary cap position than the Browns are, they're actually like one million over the cap right now, um, and don't have a ton of obvious moves to be able to get under. There's some some tougher ones. Um, so it's very likely that they're going to lose Matt Milano. Um, I think he's going to get twelve or thirteen million. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would predict that that's the market the Browns are in. I do think they need an upgrade. I don't think you can go into next year. You know, I, I know Sean uh, Takitaki had his his moments. Um, you know, maybe Mac Wilson comes back. I, I don't know that there's an obvious for sure answer anywhere there is Malcolm Smith still going to play I, I, I don't know I don't know what they're going to do I think it's more in that middle range you look at maybe uh, KJ Wright coming out of Seattle I think he's going to be more in the six or seven million dollar range um, I like Devondre Campbell he's a guy who is pretty good in Atlanta went to Arizona on a one-year deal um, I think you could get him for five or six million um I, honestly, it's not crazy to maybe bring Christian Kirksey back. Um, you see some of those guys oh, go and come back. I, you know, I think he's a, a value guy. And the way that they're looking at this, you know, unless they go and want, hey, an every down absolute answer, it's going to cost you with the Levante David or, or Matt Milano range. For sure. Um, there's a sneaky guy that I like coming out of Las Vegas. Nicholas Morrow is a guy mm-hmm. who's phenomenal in coverage. He's a guy you would pair with a Mac Wilson, with a guy who's going to be more of the you know downhill um, guy on on when you're having three linebacker sets. But when you want a guy out there in dime and pure coverage, um, I think Morrow could be a guy you could get for cheap, or even an Alex Anzalone out of New Orleans. Um, I think you're probably going to lean more that direction. If if there's one guy in the middle with K, with along with KJ Wright, maybe Jayon Brown coming out of Tennessee. I like, I like him, him a lot. I'm nervous yeah. he's going to get Milano Levante David money. If he does, he's he like will. he's like Carl Lawson for me. I, I joke. People say all the time, "Oh, I love you know." They probably see Mike's projection on Spotrack. Like, oh, I'd love him at eight million. I'm like, if every yeah. single person has him as their number one value, he's yeah. not going to be a value. Somebody's going to overpay him. Um, yes. Everybody loves Jayon Brown as their value linebacker, which probably means he's not going to be a value. So, if yeah. if you can steal him for seven or eight million, he might be your answer as an every down guy. I have a feeling he gets ten, eleven, twelve million, and then heck, you might as well sign Levante David. Yeah. Um. I find it hard to – I would love it if they signed Levante David because I do think it would make a difference, and I wish they did value the position more, I'll be honest. You know what I mean? So uh, I think that the best guy they have out of – they have a bunch of young guys, Taki Taki, Mac Wilson, uh, and then they had some veterans too. I I wouldn't mind them to see him bring back B.J. Goodson because he he did a a pretty good job for them, and he's a leader. Uh, But – um, and Malcolm Smith even played pretty well in coverage. I, I don't know if he comes back, though. Um, I think the one young guy that I kind of think could be a good player is Jacob Phillips from LSU. Uh, the guy can really young, super fast. Uh, it was dinged up a lot his rookie year. But, but I think he could even overtake, like, Mac Wilson and maybe be, like, the, their young, you know, speedy linebacker. But the guy... I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just go draft again. 
Uh, I don't know if they'll address it at all in free agency, Greg. And I know that sounds crazy, but I, I, it wouldn't shock me if they if they went like second round or, or third. They have two threes and two fours, or try to address it that way. Um, I'd be a little that, surprised with the first round, but I mean that you're not in a terrible range. That's the area where is it? You know, does Zayvon Cowens fall? Do you have right. you know somebody like uh, uh, Jerome uh, uh, Aquaru, uh, the the guy from Notre Dame? Um, uh, oh, you know, Owosu. Owosu. Is there it? we go. Yeah. Um, I, I mixing him with Romeo Aquara. Um, yeah. You know, or you know, I don't know that Micah Parsons is the answer of what you guys are looking for but there's a handful of guys that are in that range because obviously yeah. the bills are in the same thing yeah the bills are you know if we lose milano are we going to go linebacker at pick 30 um so i'm looking at a lot of those same guys i i don't think that's normally the answer rookie linebackers don't normally come out and are fantastic right off the bat but again with the amount of mo- interchangeable parts that that the Browns have, maybe that's a pairing. Maybe you end up with a guy, say Devondre Campbell, I think is a pretty good veteran, but you can get him at like five million and then one of those extra third round picks. And then you mix that in with Goodson and Mac Wilson and Taki Taki and that's your linebacker group and the investments are more in the secondary and the pass rush, which, you know, from an analytic standpoint, that's where that's gonna lean. That's what that's what it says in uh, Deep Podesta's guardrails. That uh, <laughs> that's so, what the spreadsheet says. You got to listen to the spreadsheet. Uh, you got to follow the spreadsheet. No, I, I don't know. I mean, I hope I hope Mary Kay's right. I do, uh, or at least they address it with, like you said, you know, they should at least address it with a, somebody better than who they have been addressing it with in free agency and then maybe throw a third rounder at it as well. Now you got a bunch of young guys there, athletic guys, and maybe you brought a veteran in. Uh, I w- the only reason I wouldn't want to bring Kirksey back is he's just, he, he was cursed when he was here. He was hurt all the time, and I can't go down that road again. Very talented guy, just very injured all the time. Uh, but, yeah, so... Uh, it looks like, uh, let's see here. I, I've been neglecting the chats. Uh, Brian, our guy Brian Peterson here, when we were talking about uh, the uh, NBA uh, bloated contracts, uh, Jakeem uh, Noah deserved every penny he got, he says. So <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, I take that personally. That's- yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> so that, that was funny. I wanted to post that real quick. All right, so... Um, the other name Mary Kay mentioned, and and this one, it, oh, another guy I really like in the draft, Jabril Cox, and another oh, yeah. LSU guy, but a guy that played over a hundred snaps in the slot. If we're talking about big nickel enthusiasts, hybrid uh, guys, whatever you want to call them, Viper, <laughs> everybody's got a different name for the uh, the hybrid uh, safety. Oh, yeah linebacker guy so uh, i like him there a guy that can cover there a lot so um, uh your man in the chat logan brought up richie grant i think grant is a guy that could be doing that okay you talk about um hamsa nasruddin out of florida state is a guy that you know nobody really knows is he going to be a linebacker or a safety i think he's really in that you know flexible range i love jabril cox i think that he's a great fit um some of the other guys that i, I think even could be there you talk about another guy besides cox in the lsu area is Jacoby Stevens. He's a guy that's going to be converting from safety to linebacker, but is in that kind of that hybrid mode. Um, I think those are going to be some of the this year's Jeremy Chin or Kyle Duggar, the guy in this year's draft.
draft that people are going to be after for that that flexible mode. And um, I think that's a perfect fit. You know, if the Browns don't go down the path of Keanu Neal or Jaquiski Tart. I think that a guy like Nasruddin would be a perfect fit in the second round. I think he's going to be right there in that like forty to sixty pick range. If he were to fall uh, to the Browns' pick there in the second round, I think that could be worthwhile. And and that's the thing. And you just, you just kind of made the point to me. And those are great names. Uh, but by improving that safety room like twofold with a guy like Tart. Or a guy like uh, Neil, who's like a box safety, and it can come up. You're really improving the linebacker room as well, right? That third safety, the 11th defender in today's NFL, you want to be as ambiguous and positionless as possible. Um, So whether that's you call him a safety, you call him a linebacker, you call him a slot – that guy's on the field an awful lot nowadays, and I heck, I even want two of them. I, I'm fine if there's yes. one linebacker and then two ambiguous guys that you're not sure what position they play. Um, I want more and more of that, and you know, obviously, um, I don't take this the wrong way because Browns can rub Wyatt Teller in my face, but Jordan Poyer is that guy in today's NFL. Yes. Jordan, Jordan Poyer's no, been right. a godsend for the Bills, and he's kind of part linebacker, part safety. He was you know 10th in the NFL in tackles, but he can also drop back deep, and you can disguise coverages, and he's not the same as Micah Hyde, but he can play well enough in coverage that you don't know whether he's coming or not. More guys like that. I want multiple of those kind of guys. You don't know what they're doing. They can be anywhere on the field, and the more flexibility you have to do that, the better off you'll be. Yeah, versatility is key for these uh, uh, defensive uh, coordinators for sure moving forward, I think. All right, so uh, let's transition here. And once again, your eyes on Cleveland. We'll get through one more segment here with Greg Tomset of CoverOne.net. So gracious with his time tonight and his knowledge. He's been exceptional. And uh, uh, I think it's... uh, and for a pretty good show here, so I hope you're enjoying it out there. Uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button at the bottom right now if you are uh, watching live, and uh, uh, hit the little bell next to it so you make sure you know when quality content is coming to you. Uh, all right, Mary Kate Cabot, once again, uh, back Rashad Perriman, former Brown. Browns lack speed in the receiver room. Uh, Greg, they do. And uh, so this is a whole conversation, right? Richard Higgins is a free agent. And he and Baker Mayfield have a magical connection. And Higgins was the Browns' best receiver probably in the last six games of the season last year. He's played terrifically uh last year he's been through his ups and downs he took a team-friendly deal to stay in cleveland last year just he's just beloved in cleveland right everybody loves him um i love him i want him to stay uh i I would welcome him in buffalo yeah yeah he's great you know and he makes big plays and baker always finds him and he's just perfect obj goes out week six Baker takes off. Stark contrast of numbers with, without OBJ. People are say, oh, you're crazy to say they're better without OBJ. I don't think it's that simple. There's layers to this, okay, in my opinion. I, I think that there is a real effect 
that OBJ has on Baker Mayfield. Now, the front office wants us to tell us at the end of the season that the offense progressed after OBJ left, and that's why Baker got better. And, and I'll buy that to a certain extent. But would if OBJ was there, would he have been taking off with the offense is the question. Or did Baker grow up enough to go back now, add OBJ in, and now it does work altogether? Very tough questions, right? Sure. Um, Fr- from afar, I'll say... I think there was development coming in the first year in Stefanski's offense, the transitions that were taking place, that regardless, the Browns' offense was going to be better week 9 to 16 than they were week 1 through 8, regardless of who else was out there. Now, is there a little bit of gravity with a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. that's just tilting the field a little bit his way, including the attention of the quarterback and the attention of the defense. I, I think that there's it goes both ways. Sure. I think that it's it's naive to think, you know, hey, does the ball get distributed more in Buffalo if Stefan Diggs is out? Yes. Do I think the offense is better without Stefan Diggs? No. Um, but does it get distributed more evenly and you don't know who it's going to? Sure. Um, but I will tell you, even when the defense knew who it was going to, Stefan Diggs still got open. Um, I, I think that it's hard for me to believe that the offense is better without Odell Beckham Jr. Now, can you reappropriate his resources if you were to get a solid trade return and to free up $16 million off the cap and you tell me you want to spend that differently and can come out with a better product, I can listen to that. I think the offense was going to get better last year anyways and that it just got better and that I think you would have been even better and an even bigger threat in the playoffs with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, But I think that he also showed that there could be answers without him if you do go down that path. Yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate question, right? Well, you know, if he was there, would they have even been better? And if that's if that's reality, then I want to see him stick around, right? Now, the, the thing about the $16 million you mentioned is because of his injury, 12 of that is now guaranteed. So he's got to— If released. If released. If you trade him, it's zero dead cap. And you get all of the money off of your salary cap, so that there's no scenario where you're going to walk away in a in a release because one, you're not going to release. He's still talented. There's no no sense that that doesn't make any sense. If you trade right. him, it's zero dead cap and fifteen point seven million directly off the cap. Um, so the only scenario where he'd move on would be in a trade, or you could restructure and kick some money down the road. You guys don't really need to do that. Um, but yeah, that the injury guarantee protects him via. Uh, injury for release but if he's traded his whole contract goes with okay i i was under the impression that the 12 and and some change was dead cap money on the browns regardless at this point it's guaranteed Uh, but it doesn't get paid out until the game checks so if you trade him the new team takes it on and they pay it out now they can't release him either but you're not trading for Odell Beckham Jr. to release him that kind of thing um so there is a chance if a team offered the right deal um you could move him and you know honestly 
a team that has a bunch of cap space but maybe bids for Allen Robinson or all of a sudden Robinson gets franchise tagged and all of a sudden Chris Godwin gets franchise tagged and Kenny Galladay gets franchise tagged and a team that was going to go big game hunting like the Colts or the Jaguars or the Jets all of a sudden don't have anybody to spend that money on that they bookmarked maybe they want to give up you know a second round pick and a you know day two pick next year and yeah. it frees up 15.7 million um again it, personally i think he opens up the passing game and you want to add to him with a speed element but i can see a path where it's worth it to bring on younger assets and re and use that money elsewhere yeah, I think it's a total toss-up, as I was going to say. is If somebody came and offered a two, right, uh, for him right now, I would really have to look hard at it because if if you deal him, then you can bring back Higgins, and then maybe you can bring back a, a, a totally different speed element. And instead of just having Odell Beckham Jr., you have Higgins and a speed element. Uh, and maybe that's better. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's hard to say and this front office kind of makes me think that at times they might go the value route there like a guy that i would love for them to go after and i don't know what his market's going to really be at but if they did deal beckham i want him to go get curtis samuel like i think he would be ideal right like ideal for this offense the speed sweeps the speed you know that he would bring and then bring back Higgins, and I think that they're grooving, right? Like, I think that would be ideal. But at the same time, it's Odell Beckham Jr., and he's going to work hard. I don't worry about his injury. He's going to rehab it totally, and he's going to be a stud again. So as long as Mayfield has really taken those steps and come along where it's not going to be him staring down Beckham on his, you know, uh, or staring down his first read while Beckham's running wide open, or staring down Beckham, who is his first read, uh, then then I'm okay. Which he got over and looked much better down the stretch. I, mean, I, I would say that would be my consolation for Browns fans is look at the silver lining of the injury. It will be much harder for OBJ to come back and to expect a ball-dominant offense focused on him because they saw the way that it opened up. You also had Baker Mayfield get valuable reps, learning how to go through multiple reads and going to the right spot, and now hopefully inserting a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. back into that, you're now adding the you know phenomenal route runner and, and you know tough catch you know the catch radius that he brings you're adding that back in if you were to go down that path I don't think a guy like Samuel or Corey Davis is another guy that I like who's young and athletic I think they would be more replacements if you traded them I do think there's a sneaky area that you could have some of these veterans who might get cut loose be interested in joining an offense like like Cleveland's where you know maybe Brashad Perriman but maybe you get a cheap run at a Deshaun Jackson or the the best one I think is all the names we've rattled off here tonight and you talked about Curtis Samuel you talked about Chris Godwin you talked about you know Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay I think it might be tough for a guy like T.Y. Hilton to get the market that he thinks he's going to get and all of a sudden it's April 2nd and he still hasn't signed with anybody yet and now all of a sudden it's oh well maybe I could be 
the speed element to take the top off an offense like Cleveland and I'll take one year and six million to try to make a good season and then go cash in in 2022. I don't think it's out of the question that you guys could steal a guy like a T.Y. Hilton and, you know, if you now don't have him have to be leaned on as a number one option in an offense and you let him be the real release valve to take the top off, I think you could have some exciting combinations with a guy like that in that offense. And come full circle now back to that salary cap there with the uh, 2022 balloon up there. So for what we started with and we came full circle on that with T.Y. Hilton. Now, um, the uh, the the thing about the wide receiver position, the last thing I'll say, and you can comment on this as well, is there are, for the second year in a row, it's a super, super deep wide receiver draft. There are speed guys all over the draft, and the free agency class is super deep. Like you, there are guys everywhere. So that's gonna that's gonna you know depress the market a little bit itself, as well as the lower cap. So it's yeah, very we didn't possible even talk to about get. Will Fuller yeah. and you know uh, yeah. Tyrell Williams and Marvin Jones and Keelan Cole and like some other really talented guys that are out there. I I think it's going to be very interesting to see where some of these guys end up. There's wide receivers everywhere. There is. And and they're out there. So that's the good news. And I think Perriman does. I see the link she made. He did play here. Mayfield had a good connection with him for the half a season that he was here, right? And uh, he does take the top off, and I like him as a player. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I mean, if you keep OBJ, I guess that would be the guy that kind of guy that you would want to add, right? Somebody like that. Uh, that makes some sense. All right. So stretch run here, Greg. And, and Greg, you've been fantastic, and thank you for your patience. Greg Thompson, cover1.net. Go check him out. Uh, and... Uh, uh, check out all of his work. Uh, but let's go down the extension list here, and I want to get your thoughts on this stuff, okay? Baker Mayfield, uh, this year or wait? So I think that the potential for Baker Mayfield to take another significant step forward is pretty likely in my mind. So the risk is obviously you just saw Jared Goff and Carson Wentz that you had to go eat those contracts because they extended too early. I think the amount of discount you could get that, hey, maybe you can still get them around some Garoppolo Wentz money rather than some Deshaun Watson money might be worth it. You know, you're talking if, if it's seven, eight, nine million dollars a year that you can still get him in the lower 30s rather than the upper 30s. That could really pay off down the road. And it's not without risk. There's a chance that he turns into a pumpkin and all of a sudden you regret it. I think it's pretty low. I'm a big fan of Baker Mayfield. I think your your baseline and your floor is that he's good. You know, maybe he doesn't have that superstar gear in him that he's going to jump into the top five. But it, having a good quarterback in today's NFL is really nice. Like that's a yeah. very pleasant surprise after yeah. the last 20 years our franchises have experienced. Um, if it if it was me, I would extend him now and get the benefit of that. If they just exercise the fifth-year option and work on it next year, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that they can be very confident in it. And honestly, if your worst-case scenario is, oh, my gosh, Baker Mayfield took a leap forward and had an MVP-type season, and now we got to figure out how to pay him $40 million, 
God bless you. Because that's a, that's a wonderful problem to have. So um, I, I think you're in great shape either way. I think Baker Mayfield's going to be in Cleveland for a decade plus. Um, and I think he's a fun guy to rally around. And figuring out how much you need to pay him is the least of the problems in Cleveland. Well, you know, uh, that's good to hear you say that. I feel the same way. Uh, I, I feel like in this offense, I have just such faith in Stefanski's offense and Baker starting to get it. Perfect. That I, Perfect I, I just, fit. yeah, I just don't see him taking a step back. And the only thing it's going to do is cost you extra money. So if that's the case and you really feel that way, at least that's how I feel. If they feel that way, then get it done now. Because even if you just save three to five million dollars a year, that's a player every season for the next five years, right? So uh, that's a big deal. Um, I agree with you there. Uh, Nick Chubb, running back. There's a million running back extension horror stories. Now, the running back uh, market has come back down to earth since the girly days. Dalvin Cook signed a pretty reasonable deal, right, last year. I think around 12 a year or something like that. So uh, Nick Chubb is special, in my opinion. He's a special guy, too. Now, they do have Kareem Hunt under contract as well, which is can either be part of the pitch or or you can go the other way with it. Uh, where do you what do you do with Nick Chubb? Uh, he doesn't he wasn't a first round pick. So this is the this is the offseason. You want to do it if you're going to do it. So I, I feel bad for Nick Chubb because I think he is special. I think he is a phenomenal talent. Sadly, I think. Andrew Barry and the leadership in in Cleveland, Paul D. Podesta, and everyone that's there are going to realize a loophole that exists in today's NFL. All the franchise tag numbers that get thrown around, yeah. and it's like you know, fifteen million for a linebacker. The Bills can't keep Matt Milano because you got a franchise tag of fifteen million. And hey, we don't want to franchise the tackle. You know, Daryl Williams is a, a free agent for the Bills. Uh, he's a right tackle, but the franchise tackle number is like fourteen, fifteen million. The franchise, the franchise tag number for running back is $8 million. Yeah. Do you know that doing it two years in a row is 120%? Guess what 120% of $8 million is? It's $9.6 million. And guess what? Yeah. If you do it a third year in a row with the exclusive franchise tag with 140% of that, it's $13.4 million. If you did all three of those years and then you added that up as if it was an extension... It's a three-year, $31 million deal. There's no incentive whatsoever to extend to him for big him money. You can keep him where your absolute worst-case scenario is three years and $31 million, and you get him for three more years. I I feel bad. I think the man... I think his agent deserves to want Christian McCaffrey money and to want Delvin Cook money and to want Derrick Henry money. I, I just... I have no idea why any franchise would do it because honestly if you tell me there's four years of Nick Chubb's rookie contract and then three more years after that seven years is probably all you're going to get and then you move yeah. on and you wonder what 31 million dollars is a ton of money good for him get your 31 million I you would I will be absolutely flabbergasted if a Paul D. Podesta and Andrew Berry analytics heavy analytics driven franchise 
pays a huge contract extension to a running back, I will be blown away. I will be absolutely blown away. Now, for Browns fans who are fans of a talent like Nick Chubb, like I said, I don't think that means he walks out the door. I think you handle it year by year, you give him the franchise tag, and you give him the $8 million, and then if he leaves again, you give him $9.6 million more, and you keep letting him, you know, unfortunately run until the wheels fall off, and then you let him yep. go. And with the two-headed attack with Kareem Hunt and him, that can run for a while. And honestly, whenever that's not ready, you spend another second-round pick on another stud that's coming out. And sadly, yeah. that that's just the world we live in. And I, I like him a lot. I think he's a great talent. I hope he spends this year and three more years in Cleveland. I don't expect it to be a Derrick Henry, Delvin Cook deal. I just don't. Yeah. And, and I think didn't Tennessee did Tennessee do one franchise tag? Yes. I think they did, and then they did the deal. So, yeah, I mean, I, I and Derrick Henry's an alien. <laughs> you know, is. maybe if you're going to bank is. on one guy not breaking down. I'd want him right. to look like that, you know. But it's it's still there's too many Gurley and Zeke and all those other contracts that just scare the crap out of me. That you know, Le'Veon Bell held out and now he couldn't even catch on and got cut midway through the season. And yeah, it's just there are way too many horror stories for me to want to sign up because. All those guys were the right answer in the moment. The Rams don't get to the Super Bowl without Todd Gurley. Ezekiel Elliott and all the rom, 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 all that stuff. Like, that's real. He was phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, he and was. everybody was celebrating when he's doing those things. Le'Veon Bell was the best all-around threat, uh, offensive threat in, in, in football in his big season. And then they fall off a cliff. And sadly, so will Nick Chubb at some point. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, I you know... Mike said the same thing last night. He said, uh, franchise tag, probably. Yeah. Mike yeah. and I go to the same school. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, it, you don't, I mean, why pay him $12 million a year if that's, I mean, ultimately you're never even going to have to pay him that on average, as you said. And that is a bit of a loophole. So uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. It's something to think about. In seven years of a back in his prime like that, that's tough to beat. Tough to beat. Great point there, uh, uh, Greg, and appreciate that insight. The next guy I'm going to bring up, bring up four guys tonight. So we'll bring up Denzel Ward next. And he has a, he's a first-round draft pick, so he has that fifth-year option. Um, where You want to wait on him? You want to get him signed up? How do you feel about him? So... I don't believe every single day that goes by, he's a little bit more expensive. (laughs) Um, Cornerbacks in the NFL are never going to get cheaper. They're only going to get more expensive. And the more guys who want their record-breaking deal, um, whether that's Marshawn Lattimore or whether, you know, every other guy that's coming out is Xavier Howard that wants all that money. It's just going to keep pushing that market up, and you know, you saw the Bills benefited from jumping ahead of that. Tre'Davious White was the highest paid cornerback in NFL history for six days, yeah. <laughs> and you know, they yeah. got him. At, they got him at seventeen million dollars, and now guys are asking for twenty million, and now yeah. it's going to look like a discount. And we paid him the highest cornerback in NFL history, and then it got beat very quickly. Um, if you guys can snag Denzel Ward, and I, I get it. You'd love to see 16 
games every season. I know he's not the biggest, thickest guy in the world. When he's on the field, he is an elite cover corner. You cannot replace him. Um, I I get it if you want to wait and hold out. I can point you to an awful lot of defenses who would love the chance to throw money at Denzel Ward. I would extend him the day that I could. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the one problem I have with that, you know, Greg, is I just would want – I want to see him play not even 16 games. I want to see him play 14 games a year before I pay him, you know, his 80 or $100 million deal, right? Uh, I, I just – I want to see him do that, and he hasn't done that, you know. It's it just – He's a little fragile, and he's a, a concussion or two away of, you know, being in danger, I think. I, I don't know. I mean, he had two his rookie year, right? Yeah. That's tough. Uh, he hasn't had any since then, and at times he's – when he, like you said, when he's on the field, he's spectacular. Yeah. He's locked down, and, and he, he changes the game, and they're a much, much better team. I mean – him and De- him and Garrett at times on the field together, two players just carried the defense, right? Like I mean, at times, and and that's really hard to do in football. And so I I agree with you there. There's no question about his talent and about what he can do for the Browns. Just maybe you want to see him play 14 games, and that's my only issue. And, but and I, I, will warn I get you, your point. Yeah, the, the Browns aren't picking in the top four for a long time. Oh, you're right. Um, so, you're unfortunately, right. when you have right. the chance to retain those elite talents, you probably de- should do the, it. The Denzo Wards of the world don't get to pick 26. They just don't. And, and that's yes. that's a wonderful reality of our franchises now that, you know, being in that at worst in the playoff hunt every year, picking in the back half of the first round means that there's no more Miles Garrett's and there's no more Denzel Wards coming. Um, you have to find other ways and having a chance to retain the ones you have. I I certainly think you know you look at the other markets there. There are no top end cornerbacks coming out in the market. Jalen Ramsey isn't going to be out there. Marlon Humphrey is not going to be out there. Byron Jones isn't going to be out there. Um, if you want to wait, you, you exercise a fifth year option. You hold it out. You push him that you want to see that. But the alternative is if there's any leverage that De Podesta and, and Barry have that you can try to push that you get a little bit of a discount. And I know Marlon Humphrey got $19.5 million a year. Jalen Ramsey got $20 million a year. Marshawn Lattimore wants $20 million a year. If you can get Ward for a notch below there, closer to 17 or 18, because if he plays all 16 games, he's getting $20 million. He is. Yeah. Like, if, right. if he plays all 16 games, he's getting $20 million. So if you have a chance to get a little bit of discount off of there, it might be hmm. worth it to do it now because if you roll the dice – and again – that's just like our conversation with Baker Mayfield. If the worst case scenario is Denzel Ward played an awesome season and you have to pay him $20 million, it's an awesome problem to have. But it might be worth it to try to lock it up ahead of time. No question. Yeah. Yeah. Great points. Uh, you know, you can look at it both ways and, and probably – Probably the way that you framed it, you probably swayed me here tonight on Denzel. I was saying, wait, <laughs> I think you changed my mind. With the, you pushed me over the edge with the, you're not going to be picking fourth anytime soon, and it, you're right, you know. And even if he only plays twelve or thirteen games, 
it's 12 or 13 games uh, of a guy that's really hard to come by in the NFL, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so interesting, interesting stuff. And, and Greg, uh, fantastic job. Last guy, and you're going to hate answering questions about this guy, Wyatt Teller. Yeah. Uh, you know, best graded offensive lineman in all of football this year. Um, he was incredible. He was amazing. I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe just the relationship with Callahan. Uh, I don't know, but he became something very special uh, for the Browns this year. Uh, and, you know, rated the best guard in all of football by PFF. And, but he was dinged up here and there, and he has a year left, right? So they have him for a year. But it's I got to start thinking about his extension right now, too. Uh, and then that offensive line starts over because that offensive line is the key to everything for me. That offensive line right. is loaded. Yeah. So yeah. Thoughts on that? So, obviously, now you're getting to the point where at first, I don't think anybody was sure. Was this real? Like, at first it was a four- to six-game yes. stretch where it was phenomenal. And like, oh, my gosh, did we hit on something here? You come into this year now, and, again, it was only 11 games. You'd love to see 16. He confirmed that this is real. And that's that's really the spot that it was in when, you know, when Wyatt Teller got traded, he was a, a late-round pick, and the Browns gave up a fifth and a sixth for him when he hadn't really played. Um, and it was on that potential. And the Bills were in that same spot where they were wondering, hey, you know, he really just hasn't been able to put it together. He hasn't been able to get the technique. And, you know, God bless Bill Callahan. Just, he's such a good position coach <laughs> to be able to help a guy who had that raw power to really harness it. Um, you know, he's been a just a, a, a goldmine for, for the Browns to be able to have that. Um, and now getting to that point that I agree, I think that when you talk about the benefits of Baker Mayfield and his fit in the Stefanski offense, it's because of he needs to play off the run game. He needs play action. He needs some protection. And that's no, that's no shame. Every quarterback needs protection. Um, I don't think that you can be chintzy about that. Now, the challenge is there's a lot of linemen being paid here. So, I, you know, in all honesty, Giving Wyatt Teller that money means you probably have to let a Batonio walk and then draft his replacement. Um, so there's going to be some difficult choices there that I don't think you can pay. I, you, matter of fact, not I don't think you can. You can't have five highly paid offensive linemen across the board. You can't have a $60 million offensive line. It's just not feasible. Um, so if he gets paid and he deserves to get paid and it's going to be I don't know if it's 15 million, but if he has another season of highest graded player in PFF, um, it's going to be close to 15 million dollars. You're going to need to pay him. It's going to be brand whatever Brandon Scherf gets this year in Washington. It's going to be that kind of contract. That probably means you have to move on for, from one of the other guys. And that you know, with the amount of depth and talent that the Browns have built, you know, I think Conklin's there. I'm a huge fan of Will's being able to put that kind of deal there together. Whether it's needing a replacement and letting Treader's deal expire, letting Batonio's deal expire, you're going to need to draft the replacement for one of those guys. Have one of them on a rookie deal. But if you're putting a guy like Teller next to him, you could probably have a center do pretty well if you have a monster like Teller next to him. Yeah. It's hard to think about any of those guys leaving. It's like I want to keep those guys. Those guys. I just want to keep them there forever, but I know it's not realistic. But, yeah, it's, uh, you know, 
John Dorsey, yeah, who who would have thought, you know, he gets uh, a <laughs> teller in that deal and then he works out uh, to be Phenomenal. what he was this Phenomenal. year. Yeah. Like I said, that's, he, why, that's why I didn't feel about rubbing Jordan Poyer. No, in, Poyer. Yeah, you guys made out much better with the Wyatt Teller end of the deal. I, I still root for Poyer. Every time I watch the Bills, I'm like, man, how did he become such a good player? Because <laughs> he played a lot of downs for the Browns in a lot of games that were blowouts and did not matter. Uh, but and he the, turned himself so many into Bills a hell fans, of a player. Yeah. So many Bills fans are frustrated. Oh, my gosh, how did they lose Teller? And I try to tell them, listen, we didn't have Callahan, so I don't know that he would have developed into the player that he was here. Yeah. I said, but nobody was saying this when he got traded. None of us. Yeah. Everyone was celebrating. Oh, my gosh, how did Bean get two draft picks for a guy <laughs> who was a seventh-round pick, and you got a fifth and a sixth, and he never even played the field, and we were going to cut him. Um, yeah. You know, Nobody was celebrating that. In the Browns, obviously – the Browns didn't know that that's what he, no. nobody knew this is what he was going to turn into. No. It's fantastic that he has. And I, I tell Bills fans all the time, you should be rooting for him. He was a great guy. He's a ton of fun. He's a bunch of energy on the field. Um, I love watching pancake blocks and him going out and finding work. Um, he's an enjoyable guy. And, you know, Cleveland deserves every bit of it. He proposed to his girlfriend on the field. Did you see that this oh, year? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So he's, uh, He's he's our guy now. He's Cleveland through and through now. Oh, yeah. So oh yeah, yeah he's, he's a perfect fit for the culture. He he's he's a perfect Cleveland fit. Yeah, uh, this has been outstanding. You were tremendous interview, unbelievable. Uh, oh, I do want to ask you about one more thing. I want to ask you about Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Kevin Colbert basically came out and said. Eh. I don't know, right? I mean, he was pretty frank about it when he came out. He was like, eh, you know, he wants to play. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know what we're going to do. But then the ownership speaks out, and they said it's his job, da-da-da. It's a $41 million cap hit, and they're going to figure something out with that, right? I don't think he gives a crap about any of that. Uh, but I'm like... Please bring him back. I want, you know, he's beat us like 17 straight years. We finally beat him. I want two more shots on him on his way out the door, you know? So I will say I do think he was playing hurt at the end of the year. So I I do. I think that there's a chance that he's better than what we saw in 2020 there's no chance we're going back to what he was before. He's just not that guy anymore. Um, He got the ball out faster than any quarterback in the NFL because he had no interest in getting hit by anybody. Um, That that offense was ridiculous. Oh, it was was the weirdest offense ever. But whatever. I'm not terribly nervous about Pittsburgh, but I will say, you know, they had some nasty injury luck and everything like that that went into how bad the end of their season spiraled. So I think that they're... They're probably not the 11 and 0 team that they look like they were, but I think some people are throwing dirt on the grave a little bit soon. They're still going to be competitive next year. Um, they're in trouble with Roethlisberger. He has all the leverage in this situation. If he re- <laughs> if he retires, they're screwed. They still have. Yes. A, if he retires, it's still a 22 million dollar cap hit. They need him to do. A and this is probably Browns fans' best case scenario. They need probably. him to do a restructuring that keeps him here for two more years and spreads out that cap hit 
because there's no chance that he's he's not giving money back. He's not taking a pay cut because he doesn't have to. Um, so your best case scenario for Browns fans is that you keep him for both years of his deal. He spreads out some of that cap hit, gives them a relief probably by some of those. You hear teams talk about those voidable years yep. um, that they add on some voidable years and spread it out to another couple years and that you keep him here for two years. Um, I don't know if he's got two years in him, but he's playing this next year because that's way too much money for him to walk away from. And um, I think that's a fun idea to have miles Garrett and, you know, maybe a guy like Carl Lawson be or Trey yeah. Hendrickson opposite him, sandwiching him. And maybe uh, the Brown, the Steelers get to be, or the Browns get to watch him, you know, play his last snap as an NFL quarterback being sandwiched by Trey Hendrickson and miles Garrett. I don't know if it can get any better than him crying on the sidelines after the <laughs> playoff game. I mean, like, uh, that is pretty phenomenal. Epic stuff. People were lighting up uh, fireworks in my neighborhood after yes, that game. It was, it was pretty the, amazing. I mean, Teddy actually went over there and cried like tears. I just, I mean, it was like a dream come true. Um, and then, uh, what about Brees? What's he doing? What's this guy doing? I see an Instagram photo of him running way too hard for a guy that's supposed to be retiring. Uh, what what's going on there? And then I mean, and then ownership. I mean, they can't kick him out, right? They can't kick him out the door. So they tell him if he wants to play, it's his job. And I think they said that with the full understanding that they thought he was going to retire. Uh, I think he's waffling now a little bit, or or is there news today? I see you typing away there. Um, I was double checking uh, just to make yeah. sure. Um, I do think he's retiring. I do. Th- I mean, he played through some nasty stuff, whatever the eight broken ribs or whatever the heck it was. Um, his contract's a little bit more palatable to what they've already stretched out. Um, so he doesn't have a ton of leverage to be able to to do much of anything. And honestly, I think he's just one of those hyper competitive guys. He was a phenomenal tennis player and like a nationally ranked tennis player growing up. Um, I think he's going to be one of those guys who's always working out and doing that kind of stuff. So I don't think that he's going through it, but I will say I would guess that he in the back of his mind wants to walk away saying, you want to know what? I probably could give it another go, but I'm happy. I'm ready to move on in life versus being like, well, I went and got fat and happy and now I can't really do much about it. So I guess I got to retire anyways. Um, I expect and anticipate him having a retirement ceremony here soon. I think he is done. Um, although I think he probably has about as much left in the tank as Roethlisberger does. Um, but Roethlisberger just has a lot more leverage than what breeze did from a contract standpoint. So, um, I'll be pretty genuinely surprised if he doesn't retire, but yeah. I will say I don't think it's a hundred percent. I think it's ninety nine percent. I I don't think it's a hundred percent that he retires. They got they just I think they're just like so mad that Brady is still so good, and they're just like I believe me, I'm mad about uh, that too. It's, I, yeah. I, I understand. <laughs> Uh, great, great job, man. Appreciate you were fantastic guest. Uh, I had an absolute blast, uh, and uh, you killed it, man. Knocked it out of the park. Uh, best uh, Browns analysis in a while. Uh, 
No, that means a lot. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Inclu- including the host. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, man. This is a ton of fun. Um, looking forward to it. I hope plenty of my neighbors and friends are listening. So I hope you guys enjoy yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Try to put in the work to be able to help you guys. And honestly, I'm really excited. I, I can't wait for Browns, Bills games that matter. That that are, uh, you know, stuff on the line and that both our teams are good, you know, in the playoffs, chance to go to the Super Bowl, that kind of stuff. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. And I honestly I think the next decade we're gonna see some Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen rivalry games. I think it's gonna be the real deal. Me too, brother. And I look forward to those days. I look forward to having you back on the show yeah, again. Anytime. All right, man. You're you're awesome and uh you killed it tonight. Thank you so much. Greg Thompson, go check him out at cover one at Greg Thompson on Twitter. Make sure you follow him there. Have a good evening. Thanks, guys. That was fantastic. That was awesome. Greg was uh, amazing. So uh, I hope you all enjoyed that interview. Go check out his stuff at CoverOne.net. He uh, hosts a podcast over there, Capologist. And a gentleman and a scholar killed it tonight here on All Eyes on Cleveland. So thank him so much uh, for his uh, time. Uh, we are running uh, way long tonight, but he was uh, worth it every minute of it. Uh, great interview, and I know you guys will enjoy that out there. So uh, tell a friend, All Eyes on Cleveland. Tell your friends to come listen to the show. Hit the subscribe button on your way out. I do want to mention uh, on my way out here, uh, March 10th, that's next Wednesday, 8 p.m., on the Browns Discord, which you can find, I'll post it on my timeline, but Browns Discord, if you're not already a part of it, go check it out. Lots of Browns talk, news, anything you want there, but they're doing their first ever AMA Ask Me Anything session, and they've asked me to do it, so I will be doing it on uh, Wednesday night 8 p.m march 10th so join us then ask me anything uh on brown's discord uh and with that another shout out and thanks to greg tom said for a fantastic performance here on all eyes on cleveland please hit subscribe button on your way out tell your friends uh tell your uh parents cousins uncles pets Tell them all. All eyes on Cleveland. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, Mikey on the ones and twos tonight doing a fantastic job. And with that, we are out.